This is Harriet Bearholtz, and I'm here with my father, Randy Bearholtz. And we're actually here with our first official guest today, Mr. Joe Leventhal. Good afternoon, good morning, whenever you're listening. So we are so excited to have Joe Leventhal on our podcast today. He is a San Diego lawyer and businessman, a graduate of UCSD, a Georgetown law graduate, and actually a former White House deputy assistant to Vice President Dick Cheney. In fact, he was the youngest deputy assistant to a VP at the young tender age of 25. (laughs) He has been a resident of San Diego for over 20 years, has a history of leadership in the city through his service as an ethics commissioner protecting San Diego citizens and taxpayers from government ethics violations. He's also a member of numerous local organizations, such as the RB Rotary, the Rancho Bernardo Business Association, and the Rancho Bernardo Community Foundation. He's also a lawyer running the San Diego office of a highly respected national law firm with over 650 attorneys. Joe guides individuals and businesses to the often complex legal process to get results for his clients. He also served for six years on the board of directors for the nonprofit Kids Included Together organization, which focuses on inclusion training for the benefit of kids with disabilities. And that is pretty awesome. He was named one of San Diego's 40 under 40 in 2017 and has recently announced his campaign to run for San Diego City Council for District 5, which includes Black Mountain Ranch, Carmel Mountain Ranch, Miramar Ranch North, Rancho Bernardo, Rancho Encantada, Rancho Penasquitos, Saber Springs, San Pasqual, Scripps Miramar Ranch, and Torrey Highland. He's been endorsed by countless members of the San Diego political community, including Mayor Kevin Faulkner, Supervisor Jim Desmond, Board of Education Chair Mark Powell, and City Council Member Chris Kate, and many more. We're so happy to have him here today to learn more about him and ask him some questions. And we are here to hear him out. Welcome, Jim. <laughs> I love your podcast. So it's, Thank it's you. an honor to be a guest. <laughs> no, I, you are an extremely interesting person, and I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. One of the main things that I wanted to talk to you about is, I mean... And I I see that you've answered this question in other podcasts that you've been on, but why did you decide to throw your political hat into the race? It seems like you graduated from law school, you worked in the White House, you were involved in politics, and then you kind of took a hiatus. I don't know if you maybe got a little tired of the the, the politics in D.C., but now you're back. So why is that? Yeah, well, you know, I've I've always loved policy. And and when I moved back to San Diego, I was hoping to stay involved in politics and in policy in particular. And it was interesting, when I moved back, it was not a great time for the region. We yeah. were seeing one of our congressmen go to prison. Yes. <laughs> uh, Cunningham, we were seeing city council members getting arrested. Oh, yeah. And I thought, wow, I thought D.C. was bad. And here we are, you know, in San Diego, and we're having all this, uh, all these unfortunate things happen. And, you know, maybe most recently with Bob Filner uh, yes. situation. So I've been involved. Uh, that was a touchy situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I've been involved uh, a little bit more under the radar. I've supported candidates that I like, you know, both with my time and my treasure. Yeah. I've been involved <laughs> with the uh, public policy committee at the chamber. And I was serving the ethics commission with no plans to run for office. And honestly, you know, the reason I decided to throw my hat in the ring, I think we are a region that has a hard time getting things done. And I've been a leader in my profession, in the community organizations I've been involved in, and I bring people together, I build consensus, and I move the ball forward. And frankly, with local politics, it shouldn't be partisan. And I love, one of the things I love about your podcast is everybody knows family members that are of the opposite political persuasion or (laughs) close friends. 
And we need to be having those conversations more. You two are having those conversations as family members. Your podcast is all about facilitating those conversations, showing that we should still have those dialogues. Well, thank you and for saying that. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was the whole point. And we definitely have had our time where we have both, well, one of us has hung up on the other person, uh, <clears throat> my dad. But uh, <laughs> it, it feels like if you can't have these conversations with your family members, how are we supposed to have them as a nation? What does that say for the future of our history, you know, political history? Exactly. And, and I that's the type of leader I am, you know? And so I, I believe I approach things more right of center, Yeah. but I believe that, you know, especially with local government, we can get things done. We can build consensus and we can move the ball forward. And, you know, it seems like now is the time to put my hat in the ring and it's been going well so far. No, I love that. Yeah. I say, Joe, it's interesting because as you mentioned, we had a political scandal. Well, we had a political <laughs> scandal when you first got here and now we have another one with, uh, with uh, Duncan Hunter. We and, do. Yeah. And so he's the one who transported his pet rabbit on a private plane, right? As com- as I think that was probably one of them, but uh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 that was I the mean, best misuse of campaign funds no, I have no, ever no, heard. I don't think that was the only issue. But, no, no, no. It was but, hotels but, for yeah, mistresses I, 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 and, I, I, and many other things. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to want to ask too many questions about that because no. you and I were, were not involved in that, nope. but you know, one That's what my things, dad likes to say. You don't you don't know what he's done with rabbits now, huh? Don't, 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 don't go there. This is this is one of those. But uh, no, but as you said, one of our problems in San Diego right now is we have the left and the right. Yeah. And the and I don't know if that's necessarily a problem. We're not talking with each other. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean that's one of the, the issues. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. But, we're just yelling uh, at each other. You know, San Diego used to be pretty much of a Republican town. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, what are you seeing right now? What what are the dynamics you're you're seeing maybe on city council, and and what do you think you can bring to that? Sure. Well, you know it's interesting. We see this nationally, but we see it, I think, even more in California. And Randy, you probably know this, given your role at the party, better than I do. But more and more people are leaving both parties. Yeah. People yeah. are not identifying with either party. I think we see that also at the national level with the candidates uh, running for president this cycle, the ones that ran last cycle. People are tired of both parties and, you know, not naming any, any names, uh, you know, of, of people in D.C. But I think the challenge is people in a party have elected people with these expectations that once they're elected, they'll actually follow through on what they say they're, they're about and what yeah. their core principles are. And on both sides, I think people are realizing that once these people get entrenched predominantly in D.C., they're out there mostly for themselves. They're not out there yeah. for the people that elected them. And so I think that's part of why you're seeing people leave both parties. I think that's part of why you're seeing the parties look for candidates that maybe are more extreme in their positions, because I think that gives some in the, in the various parties comfort that those mm-hmm. people will not tack more to the to the center, but maybe follow through on some of the things they're promising. But at the city council level, you know, again, city council, county supervisors, you know, the local level, we're talking about things like roads, public safety, yeah. homelessness. Those aren't partisan issues. There's no, they're very, people issues. They're, they're, they're people issues, but they're also just issues people agree on. Yeah. People all agree, yes, we need to invest in our infrastructure so we have roads that don't have potholes. Yeah. That's not a partisan issue. Homelessness, people say, yes, we should have less people sleeping on the street. You know, My big thing with homelessness in the city, we spend over $100 million a year as a city on homelessness. Yep. For the number of homeless we've counted in the city, that's over $22,000 per homeless person. Per yeah. homeless person. And I think that's per year? That's per year. Yeah. Wow. And I think people... When I when I talk to people about that, they they agree we should see more for the money we're you investing. Could put somebody up at a at a hotel for that, or <laughs> or have a granny flat. I guess as Steve Austin was talking about yeah. in Poway. No, well, yeah, Poway also right now currently is having to well, you know well, boil their water. Well, but, so but, I don't know if I would. You know. So what they're doing, what they're thinking about doing in Poway is is for the for the city government to somehow encourage people who have excess 
land or or who have in them maybe even an excess bedroom or something yeah. to to have like a granny flat, essentially a, a certain part of their house. I've never heard that term before. For, it's like an in-law suite or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But for other people, maybe yeah. they could possibly be homeless people too. But how many people are going to want a homeless person to stay? Like, I'm just, I'm just curious. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm curious. As how, I mean, who, you know? who knows? That's, you know, what's right about California is, you know, we used to be the state that was very much experimental. We'd always do that. And uh, I think we have a experimental Sorry, have a dog little, in the yeah. background. Yeah, <laughs> I there, apologize. But, but that's okay. Now. That's okay. That's that's because we're we're a family. We're in, yes. in a political podcast. He has strong views. That's um. right. Very strong views. But no, no. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, part of this was that what the reasoning there is that with the greeny flat issue, what what we would do is it's a cheaper way to have more housing. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. I get that. And I was going to say too, obviously, Mayor Faulkner has endorsed you. He, I don't know if it was necessarily recently, but I'm pretty sure it was in October. He announced his plans regarding reinstating the ban about living like in your vehicles and residential areas. Obviously, I think that's a good idea. However, he basically said too, he wanted to expand the parking program and by adding, I think, three additional lots, which would right. provide people like a safe place to sleep. And right. thus far, he, he sees it as like an intermediary in between people kind of getting back on their feet, getting their life together. And he claims, I think it was 20 two people this year alone, families um, that were living in their cars are now families with homes, but he's kind of helped. Do you think that's a viable solution? I mean, is it more of a temporary stopgap? Kind of what do you see that as? Well, one of the things on homelessness that's important is that we have to be honest. Yeah. It's not a problem we're going to solve. There yeah. will always be homeless yeah. people in, yeah. in every major city and also a lot of smaller cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we should expect is a material reduction in the number of homes. There are legal issues too. And there yeah. are legal issues why the city started providing a safe place for people to park yeah. because they couldn't ban them in residential areas if they didn't provide. Okay, I was okay, that makes sense. Um, but I think it's I, I think it is tricky because you're balancing different interests. Um, yeah. I, I know when we we first or the city first opened the lot at Qualcomm, there were very few people that were using it. If 22 people, 22 families yeah. are now housed, that's great. Yeah. There are other awesome programs in town. The Downtown Partnership has a family reunification program. Oh, awesome. They every year about 800 homeless individuals, they reunify with family members outside of San Diego. Okay. And then they track their success rate. So it's something like six or nine months in, okay. those individuals are still housed at a rate of about 80%, which is a really high success That's a rate. big success rate. And it costs about $1,000 per homeless individual. Rather than 22000 exactly. So that's a good... Exactly. Yeah. So, so there are things that are being done that are successful. To me, one of the things that people don't talk about enough with homelessness is we need to be focused more on the mental health and the addiction issues. Oh, yeah. You know, I have Father Joe's endorsement. I was yes, I saw that. He's an awesome guy. Yeah. I actually used to volunteer there back in oh, high school. Okay. Yeah. Good. I was talking about Monday, and every time I talk to him, he says, you know, most of the people that are yeah. homeless, it's not, frankly, that they can't afford a house. Yeah. We have a housing issue in yeah. this region. That's a, that's a related... I mean, I can't afford a house right now, so well, this is why we're recording in my two-bedroom apartment. And that's, and that's, basic, that's frankly, yeah. to me, mostly a separate issue. Oh, some yeah. percent of homeless separate. individuals that... that you know, it's really just a financial issue, but the predominant issues there are yeah. mental health and addiction issues. And we need to be making sure that the the organizations that are successful in, in getting people the treatment and the help they need are the ones that we're supporting with our tax dollars. No, of course. And, and you know, policymakers need to be looking at that data more so that they know where they're putting the money. Um, one thing that I wanted to say, too, and we kind of covered this in one of our other podcasts and have differing, differing opinions, so to speak, on some of this. I can't but... imagine us having that. <laughs> 
But uh, Chessa, I think it's Boudain. I, I keep pronouncing it like the bakery, but Chessa Boudain, uh, the recent, the DA who was just elected up in San Francisco. Right, and right. there's that whole kind of pea party nonsense that people are saying as a way to sort of have him um, prosecute. Because he, he said that he doesn't want to prosecute in the same way the quality of life crimes and infractions like public urination and, and all that kind of stuff, which the Republican Party seems to be very outraged about, hence the whole Pea Party suggestion. However, after looking at his, you know, reasoning behind that, I know people are quick to throw out like, oh, both of his parents are criminals and totally separate issue, not his fault, obviously. But I mean, it makes sense that to, to try to, because obviously the current system wasn't working. You know, you have these people that are homeless and then you you find them for a quality of life infraction. To someone who's homeless, having an extra, what, $100, $200 ticket that they have to pay, they're not going to care about it. They don't have a permanent residency and then they fail to show up for court. It's hard to find these people and track them down, you know? And I think the the way in which only, and it's done in, goodness, which court is that those cases seen in? It's a ridiculous court that does not make, is it fam, no. Parking infractions? I, I, don't, I don't know because okay. uh, each county can set up. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, um, oh, goodness. It's it's like family court. It's something that, that does not like pertain to the issue. Yeah. Transportation court, yeah. Traffic it court. Tra- yeah, it's traffic okay. court. And so those people, obviously, that are, you know, deciding what to do with these people aren't trained and skilled in the mental health field. A lot of these people are addicts. And their their chances of, you know, going back to the streets and becoming addicted again are so high. I mean, what do you think? Obviously, it, that's not working in San Francisco. People aren't happy with the sort of options he's suggesting to change it. How do we deal with quality of life crimes currently in San Diego? And what do you think we can do to improve it? Great question. So without talking much about San Francisco, because I'm... Oh, yeah, no, obviously we're I'm not far, from I'm there. Far, well, no, 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 of course. <laughs> you know, a couple things. We need to make sure we are trying to protect private property rights. Yeah. But I agree when you find someone who has, who, who literally doesn't have two nickels to rub together, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately though, you know, we as, as voters passed a couple propositions that have changed our criminal justice system and the intent is good. I mean, as someone who is more fiscally conservative, I don't want to see my tax dollars wasted on an incarceration system. Exactly. That is failing. Yeah. However, when we took away some of the crimes that we were prosecuting some of our homeless individuals mm. under. I'm not someone who wants to see our homeless population behind bars because yeah. that's a waste of, of money usually too. It doesn't solve anything. However, yeah. we were able to use the threat of a, of a felony conviction mm-hmm. and a, fel- a felony prosecution to encourage these homeless individuals to go through drug treatment programs and go through mental health health treatment programs. And we've lost that tool. Okay. Now these things like the property crimes, I think, I think Randy was talking about that in one of your earlier podcasts, these property crimes up to $950 are still just a misdemeanor and, yeah. and personal use drug possession is only a misdemeanor. Yeah. And again, while I don't think we want to see the general population all thrown behind bars yeah. for some of these things, taking that discretion away from local prosecutors and local judges yeah. uh, has had the unfortunate unintended consequence with our homeless population of losing that tool that we used to use to be able to get these people into the treatment programs they need. And sometimes, unfortunately, that's the only thing that will convince somebody who's maybe, you know, been clean for a couple of days or been medicated for a couple of days after an arrest to encourage them, look, you're facing some real serious Mm -hmm. consequences here, or we can have you on probation for two years, have you go through this treatment program and turn your life around. We've lost that opportunity. So yeah. we need to be more creative. In the city of San Diego, I'm talking about, you know, the uh, indecent exposure. There's a, a statute in California where you can actually prosecute. The first time is a misdemeanor, but the second conviction would be a felony. Okay. If we see more prosecution of our, of our homeless, if they are the, the kind that to are do that. exposing yeah. themselves, again, not to put them behind bars, no. but to use that as a tool to hopefully get them to turn their lives around. 
And I was going to say too, and I don't know, obviously, if like you know the statistics as much. I'm pretty sure, however, when the uh, the, that was happening with the threat of prosecution, these people were going through drug treatment. There was a super high relapse rate still, which I mean, of course, will be seen with addicts. But what is the long term solution? Do you think to help these people with their mental health issues? Do you think mandatory drug counseling or psychiatry, psychotherapy? What do you kind of what do you envision? Well, so. I wouldn't necessarily say that the relapse rate is high. Really? The, okay. At least when you talk to our district attorney, Summers okay. Devin, I know the, the federal prosecutors, the diversion courts are actually typically very successful. Oh, maybe I was and, looking at San Francisco. And, and, and part of that is also people are going through it if they, if the people that are involved believe that this is a high success. Work. Yeah. The, the defense attorneys, the yeah. prosecutors, the judges, usually... The three of them agree, yes, this is a good path for this person. So my understanding okay, is Okay, there's, there's a good... Oh, wait, no, high. for sure. But it would be, you know, you're, you're actually addressing a bigger issue, mental yeah, health. Um, yeah, as a whole. As a whole. And and you would... We need to address our mental health yeah. crisis in this country beyond just the people that are committing crimes. It, when you talk about things like gun violence, to me, mm-hmm. that's actually more of a mental health issue than a weapons issue. So, you know, it's a bigger issue in this country sure. and, and how you would deal with that. I, I wouldn't start to say that the city council, the city council can really yeah. get too far down. No, of course. But it is a bigger issue. Yeah. Because it's a bigger issue. And it's something yeah. we want to do at the city level isn't necessarily going to have the, the reach that we need when you're talking about mental yeah, health. Yeah, of course. The other thing I'll say is the county typically is more responsible for mental health treatment yes. and funding yeah. than the city is. No, of course. Uh, Joe, why don't we take a step back and, sure. and, and, and three questions. Go on, go ahead. Quick ones. Um, so... First one is, and we wanted to do this this sort of experiment at the at the statewide level, but but you know, give us a couple of sentences. Why are you a Republican? That's a great question. I, I really like that question because you know there is. I'm running for a seat. Sorry, this is a longer answer. Maybe. No, okay. no, no. But I'm, I'm running for I'm running for a seat where the current council member used to be Republican is now an independent or no party preference. Yeah. The prior council member Brian Manshine represented this district. He's now a Democrat, left the yeah. party. So I, I've gotten asked a lot. You know, can you tell me that you're going to stay a Republican, even though it's technically nonpartisan? Yeah. And it was very interesting to hear Randy your background on your first podcast because I didn't know that you used yeah. to be a Democrat. Big Democrat. <laughs> and you know, my mom used to be a Democrat, and then later in her life became very, very conservative. Yeah. And my dad's always been, you know, more conservative, and uh, my grandparents who immigrated here were Democrats, and so I understand. I think I understand yeah. both perspectives. <laughs> you know, to me, Democrats, both people want to do the right thing. Democrats want to solve the problem and they're driven by their heart and their yeah. passion. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but Republicans, when they want to solve a problem, they are not dispassionate. They don't, it's not that they don't have a heart, but they're also looking at it from, in my view, a more fiscal policy perspective and saying, is this really going to solve the problem or is it not? And so I completely understand people's knee-jerk reaction, whether they're Democrats or, or just more left-leaning, regardless of party, to say, here's a problem, I want to fix it. You know, college debt is, is way too high in this country, so yeah. let's fix it by Oh, and you giving, both went to an Ivy League law right, school, so. Right, right. By giving away, you know, free college. And, and even though it might sound good and, and your heart might say, well, this is the right thing to do, it's actually, from a policy standpoint, in my view, the wrong thing to do. Yeah. And so, again, that's why I'm Republican is because I address policy issues. I have a big heart and I care 
deeply about people. No, I mean, obviously it's evident with the, the charity work and the boards that you've right, served on, right. which is awesome. But ultimately, deep down, what is going to actually solve the problem is how I approach things. And I sure. do believe the Republican principles, which often are not followed by Republican yeah. leaders when they're elected, but our Republican principles yeah. are the ones that typically will address our societal problems in a long-term uh, basis. Okay. Second question then is, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself and your family. I, I, I mean, are you from oh, San Diego? I, yeah, yeah. Where you I from? had a question about that too because yeah, yeah. I listened to another podcast that you did and I saw that a few, you mentioned, I don't know how, I know you have three, mentioned a few of your kids have been running for student council. Right, right. Obviously, you have experience in that. Yeah. What kind of have you bestowed upon them and what have you like kind of helped them with or, yeah. or you know, because yeah. I ran for student council. My dad was my campaign manager. Yeah. It was a whole thing. Yeah. A little stressful. But. Well, it's funny because my kids are only 12, 10, and 8. Okay. And so sixth grade, fifth grade, and third grade right now. It's the big and campaign so, years. No. Well, and, and I wanted it to be the first time my oldest was running was third grade. And I said, you know, we need to do a slate. And I want to do all these different things and just have a lot of fun with it for me. Yeah. And they, contributions. Yeah, here's your, exactly. She's like, Dad, I want card to hang out. What's the yeah. contribution <laughs> limit? You know? um, and uh, they, she brought the rules. And yeah. the rules basically say you can't do anything. Right. You, know, you can't wear a campaign shirt. You can't have, I mean, it was very yeah, minimal. You can make one poster and put it up. So, But th- that said, you know, once uh, both my, my oldest have been in student leadership and and the one thing that, you know, I've certainly talked to them about, especially when they, because they always do a speech. Yeah. Is I've said, now, look, if you put this in your speech, you need to make sure you're committed to doing this. Yeah. And elected and try to make sure they understand this isn't just a process where you say something to get elected. Yeah. And then do something. <laughs> Recess or, all day. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> great food in the couch. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, but no, my kids are great. And I'm married. met my wife at UC San Diego. Actually. Oh, that's awesome. Is she local San Diegan? Uh, actually, she's from Central Valley. Okay. I'm from the L.A. area. Oh, nice. And we didn't start dating in college. We actually started dating our, my last year of law school. She's not a lawyer. She's a, her background's PR. Oh, awesome. But um, uh, started dating my last year of law school. I proposed uh, eight months later Aww. and got married about a year and a half after that. So we've been married about 15 years. Oh, Wow. And uh, yeah, th- like I said, there's three kids. Keep us busy. Is she a Republican or is she a Democrat she's, or independent? She's a Republican. <laughs> she's okay. a Republican. I know yeah. Republicans. I know this is a show. We can ask anybody any question. This, this may be one of the least controversial episodes you guys have had. Right. I, know. I know. Maybe good for my political that, right. that's, that's okay. We're but starting you, off on the right track. You may lose some listeners if you don't. No. <laughs> Turn up the oh, I have a couple questions. Yeah, but good, good. Yeah, uh, give me one more. Okay, answer. of course, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So you know, that's that's kind of my family. My uh, my folks live here in, in San Diego. Oh, with that's my awesome. Sister and her husband and, and the kids. Oh, cool. live oh that's so nice to have your yeah, family yeah. here. I like so that. one of the question then okay. is, tell us a little bit about you know the the San Diego City Government about the City Council position. Sure. What do you see its 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 uh, its actual function as and 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 and. How does it really operate vis-a-vis the mayor? Sure. Well, I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but we we did change to a strong mayor system several years ago. So frankly, there are a lot of things that are really in the control of the mayor's office and not so much in control of the city council. That said, you know, I do think city council as a whole and maybe certain city council members have the ability to influence the mayor just with the bully pulpit and talking about issues that need to be addressed. But the, the city council, a lot of people don't realize city government impacts your life constantly all day oh, yeah. long. You know, you wake up in the morning and you, you turn on the water and brush your teeth. The water is being delivered by the city water department. Yeah. You know, you drive to school or to work and that road you're driving on, the city's maintaining. Or not maintaining. Or not maintaining. <laughs> when you, you know, how close the grocery store is to where you live and all the zoning issues have to do with, you know, the city. Yeah. When you go to sleep at night and, and sleep soundly in your bed, it's the San Diego Police Department that you know is making sure crime is low and we're the, the safest large city in the country. 
So all of those things are, are the purview of the city government. Really, again, impacts people's lives constantly, day in and day out. And so, again, it's it's pretty broad reach as a whole. Oh, that's good. Uh, and kind of where that line is between what the city council does and what the mayor does can sometimes blur, again, just because people have the power of the bullet pulpit, like I said. Oh, cool. How many city, how many city council people are there? There are nine. It is by district. So as, as Harriet mentioned in the opening, you know, my district's basically the northeastern part of the city of San Diego. Okay. District cool. five. Yeah. 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 Right. No. So speaking of controversial questions, yes. uh, so, you know, I just we can't let you off that one. No, yes. no, no, no. But I uh, puff, puffery here. <laughs> so I saw a couple of your interviews doing my due diligence before yeah. you came on. I saw your interview on KUSI. Looked great. Great Thank interview. You. I also listened to the podcast episode from Gun Sports Radio Show where you spoke about being a big supporter of safe gun laws in San yeah. Diego, um, San Diego City gun owners supporting them. And you kind of spoke out having a little bit of disagreement regarding the gun storage law that was kind of championed by Mara Elliott, who was the city attorney. The law that was passed, if people aren't familiar with it, from my understanding, it requires gun owners to store weapons in a locked container or disable them with a trigger or lock when not in use unless it's physically on their person via like a concealed carry permit. You said uh, in in the interview, from what I can believe, that you believe the law isn't practical because it prevents gun owners from being able to adequately protect themselves when needed if the gun isn't within reach nearby. Can you speak to that a bit more and kind of talk about why you think the law is a bad idea? Sure. Well, and let me just say more generally, too, which may be even more controversial than your question. (laughs) But again, this goes back to the question you asked about why I'm a Republican. And, and, you know, when we see these, you know, terrible acts of gun violence occur, I understand the the passionate desire to do something and try and stop those things from happening. But unfortunately, what we see is the more gun laws and ammunition laws that are passed isn't stopping these things from happening. And so because, again, my belief is that the law abiding citizens are following those laws, but the people that are going to violate the law violate, violate the law anyway, regardless of what's passed. And so this is frankly another example of that. Responsible gun owners, generally speaking, are going to have their guns locked up and safe and out of the reach of children and, and others that might might do something horrible with them. You know, but just to give an example yeah. with, with Mara Elliott's law, I grew up in a sec- in a two-story house. Yeah. And, you know, the idea if if there was a gun safe upstairs, but you know, my mom who who lived on her own when uh, until she passed away 10 years ago, you know, if she felt like she had threat that maybe someone was calling and harassing her. And if she wanted to make sure her weapon was accessible in case somebody came through her door, came through the back door, or, you know, to to have that accessible and let her be free in her home when she wasn't going to do something, you know, violent with that gun other than if she was under threat is a right that I think she has. And to, to basically say that she would have had to have that gun, you know, in a safe upstairs and basically be secluded to upstairs so that gun was within reach within seconds is an example where, again, you're, you're penalizing people that are not the bad actors in the situation. So no, again, that's sure. why, and, and then again, I mean, if she's, let's say this law was in effect and she did tell the police, I'm getting threatening calls uh, and maybe they weren't able to respond timely. And she, and this is going on over a matter of a couple of days, but what happens if, you know, day two, the police finally show up and her gun happens to be sitting out and then she ends up, yeah. you know, losing her her rights to own that firearm or be arrested or whatever else. Again, it just, I understand people wanting to do something. It's just a question of, does this really actually address the issue? No, for sure. I, I completely understand that. I think where a lot of the concern comes from, and for me personally, kind of, obviously, I think with the uh, example of your mom, there were no kind of young kids, I'm pretty sure, in that home at the time. Um, if you look at the stats in 2019, there have been 193 
unintentional shootings, all in part due to unsecured firearms in the United States. Uh, there have been 73 deaths. Nine of these have been in the uh, California area. And how do we keep kids safe? For example, your children, I'm sure, go on playdates and right. go over to people's houses. And the fact now I keep hearing parents say things like before my kid goes over for a playdate, I will ask, do you have a firearm in your house? Is it secured? You know, stuff like that. Right. I mean, in your district back in 2013 in Scripps Ranch, there was a boy who was 10, was playing with a little girl who was nine and she ended up shooting him. Right. And the parents claimed, oh, the ammo wasn't with it. And it was it was secured. And obviously it wasn't because that boy died. Right. So how do we keep kids safe, I guess, is the big concern. It is a big concern. And, you know, 173 deaths in this country, that's 173 too many. As a parent, I talk to my kids about guns and yeah. what they should do. And if, you know, I'm confident that if my kids went to someone's house and they saw a gun that was sitting out, when they came back home, they would tell me that they saw that gun sitting out. If they had a friend that was starting to play with that gun, yeah. God forbid, they would they would get out of there. You know, I, mean, I remember my dad, I mean, I'm 42, but I remember when I was in elementary school. My Looks dad, great for 42. Thank you. <laughs> I remember my dad talking to me about what happens if someone opens fire at my elementary school. You know, unfortunately, wow. this is this is not a new problem. It may be that we're more aware of it now. And frankly, the numbers may be higher than they used to be. See, because I wasn't aware of this growing up when I remember we did active, like we did fire drills, we did earthquake right. drills, but active shooter drills just feel so traumatic. Well, Harry and I saw, saw this coming recently. I sent you information on a, on a company. I didn't mean to cut you off, by no, the way. I apologize. No, no, I, I, I sent Harry information on this one company, which is sad, but it's a company that prepares schools and it's bulletproof and the clothes for children i mean in case in case something happens and, yeah and it's sort of sad our it's society sad that is, has to, i mean for me it, it is, is you know it is. but i'll also say in my neighborhood you know we had a child who nearly died in, in a pool that yeah. was unattended yeah. at someone else's yeah. house and unfortunately is now essentially uh, brain dead, brain dead. Sure, right? exactly yeah. you know yeah. so there are risks to our kids when they yeah. go to other people's houses Unfortunately, sometimes it's firearms that that should not be left right. out. And sometimes it's the pools and other things like that. And so, again, as a parent, you always worry about your children. You always worry about them. And one of the things you do is you think about, is this a house where I feel comfortable with yeah. my child being there and uh, without me there, yeah. without my wife there? And frankly, sometimes no. And I mean, there are parents that, uh, you know, my kids can't have a sleepover at their friend's house because we're not oh, I'm sure. comfortable. Yeah. And it's not that we've necessarily seen anything specific, but again, that's how, that's how you have to handle as a parent. For sure. And it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to eliminate, uh, it, it doesn't mean that parents who have had something tragic happen with their child, that there's any more they could have done. Because yeah. sometimes you don't see, you don't see that in a, in a friend who maybe is not responsible as a gun owner. No, of course. But, um, but to me, that's got to be the, you know, what you try sure. and do. As For a sure. No, I really respect that. What are some of the other issues in San Diego in the city, which you which you think are important, and sure, say maybe some some topics in uh, transportation, right? Housing. A while back, there was this talk about having San Diego be the city of villages and mm. and stuff like that. That that was big, but uh, the economy right now. Although President Trump is actually getting get, getting the economy going, and so hopefully we don't have those issues. But what do you think are some are some of the major issues? Sure, outside of homelessness, maybe, yeah. And, yeah. and some other things. Well, so. One, the economy is a big issue in the city. Right now, yeah. we're projecting a deficit, uh, frankly, although it's going to go down by projections over the next five years. But I think it's about $87 million is the is a projected deficit uh-huh. for next year. Which we so, talk about, like, pocket change. It's like, ah, just $87 million. Well, I, Yeah, there's an article. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, about, it's yeah. about 5%, you know, of the overall budget, so it's not that big a deal. And I just thought, you know, again, it's if somebody's fiscally conservative, yeah. I think, well, 
I can't run my business like that. You know, I'm not sure why we're in a city like that, but but there's there's uh, there are reasons for it, I'm sure. But that is something to look at, and especially if there's a downturn in the economy, I think it's an issue that um, that it's important to have people on that council that that have run a business and have that business experience, which I have. But roads is a big one, and it wasn't necessarily on my radar before I started going down this path. But I had a lot of people say, "Fix the roads, fix the roads," and we've made a lot of progress as a city. We've repaired over a thousand miles of roads. There's about three thousand miles in the city. But I'd like to look at some, a uh, couple things, innovative ways to repave our roads. So some cities are using a Kevlar-like material that make the roads stronger and last longer. Mm-hmm. It may be a slight increase in the short term on repaving costs, but if it if it actually has those roads last longer overall, it's it should be a cost savings. UC San Diego actually right now has a test strip with recycled plastic in their roads. That ties into a public policy issue we're having in the city with our trash and recycling, which again, I'm a policy guy, so I love these things, but China is not buying as much of our recycling anymore, which used to offset the cost of our trash collection, yeah. our, our landfills getting towards its end of life. So there's issues there that that may intersect, you know, strengthening our roads and also dealing with some plastic issues may, may be a win-win. Uh, but then also we have an undergrounding policy that makes sense on its face. We say we're not going to, repave a road if it's scheduled for something to be undergrounded within three years. What does that mean, undergrounded? It means like you're, dug, you're digging up the road to under to go underground with a pipe, with wiring. So, you know, Cox Cable, SCG&E, those sorts of things. And on its face, it makes sense, right? Why repave a road if someone's going to dig it up in the next three yeah. years? Yeah. yeah. But the problem is a lot of those projects that are slated to have undergrounded don't actually happen, don't actually yeah. happen ever. Yeah. Or they might happen four years, five years, six years. And those are often on major thoroughfares. Because you're not, you know, the straightest distance between two points or the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So it's not like you're weaving in and out of residential areas. Often it's these larger thoroughfares. And, and so we need to look at that policy and revisit that policy and either try and maybe expedite those undergrounding projects so they actually get done timely so you can repave mm-hmm. those roads or maybe just repave the road. And unfortunately, when those outer undergrounding projects happen, push that cost maybe onto the private sector that's asking to dig up our, our city roads that's something we need to revisit as well. So those are a couple of big issues. Yeah. Uh, public safety is another big one. We still have, uh, in my view, a vacancy rate that's too high in the SD police department. So we need to make sure we're, we're competitive in our compensation and also really good about retention of police officers. The San Diego Police Department just had their biggest graduating class, right? They so that's, that's a good step. We're, we're moving in the right direction. And so, you know, to me, one of the absolute fundamental purposes of local government is public safety. And yeah. so... You know, we definitely need to make sure with our police and fire that we're we're attracting and, and retaining good talent. So no, of course. I mean, obviously, I know it's not your district, but I feel like uh, Pacific Beach, for example, is becoming a little bit of a cesspool. My husband and I were actually looking to move down there, and I feel bad saying this, but I just we looked around and there's homeless guys sleeping on your porch. My one poor friend who just got married, she walked out of a bar at night, nicest girl, and some homeless guy stabbed her with a needle, one wow. of his needles, so she had to undergo all of this like medical testing and stuff yeah. to enjoy. like it's crazy. So obviously I hope, you know, I don't think in Scripps Ranch or Tory Highlands or any of those places you really see that. I don't think homeless people are really migrating that far. You know, I'm not sure if that's, I mean, is that a big issue in the County in which your, your district you're running in? Well, to answer your earlier question, yeah. it's, we're not seeing as many. Okay. We are seeing them and we're also not seeing them because a lot of them are sleeping in the canyons that border the district. Okay. And so, again, it's not necessarily the highest issue on people's radar, but I, when I talk to people about it, they understand how it is important. And a lot of people 
work downtown. Yeah, and oh see, my gosh. They do it's gotten it. nicer, I mean, in the last 10 yeah. years, but yeah. it's still not But in there. terms of the homeless population, yeah. they're seeing it when they when they go downtown oh, to, yeah. to eat or yeah. that sort of thing. And, and so, again, it is it is something that people are seeing, even if they're not seeing it right outside their front door. For sure. I mean, district. no, I mean, living around here um, in the UTC area around by UCSD, I think I've probably seen two homeless guys and... One of them was practicing throwing knives last week. So that was a fun, fun little, oh, fun little Tuesday. <laughs> Joe, what about Horton Plaza, for example? Yeah. And, and if you're from San Diego on our podcast here, Horton Plaza was this, you know, downtown area for years. I mean, decades. Like a big where mall. There's a big mall downtown. And now you go down there and you feel like you're in a ghost town. I mean, Macy's is still there. I they know, refuse but, to close up shop. But, you know, well, I, I mean... What do you think with those areas? I, I mean, is that going to come back or? Well, so Horton Plaza is interesting because there is a deal to redevelop that as, oh, wow. as a high tech office space. And, you know, Horton Plaza is an interesting, I, I, I very, uh, took only a few classes on urban studies when I was at UCSD, yeah. but, but urban studies and planning is. Uh, uh, That's two classes more than most politicians have ever taken yeah, in their exactly. life. So good on you, Joe. <laughs> well, and, and so, you know, space planning is, is actually something mm-hmm. that's always really kind of interested me. And so Horton Plaza is really interesting from that perspective, because when it was built, it was viewed in a lot of ways as sort of, you know, the crown jewel of downtown. Oh, yeah. But it was designed to, to have the exterior walls kind of block off the rest of downtown yeah. so that you were internal to the mall oh, wow. and you weren't exposed to what was not a particularly nice area, nice area yeah. at the time. By the courthouse, right? Exactly. And this yeah. is before Petco and all the rest. Yeah. And so then as the as downtown redeveloped and Gaslamp got redeveloped and, and revitalized, it, you know, Horton Plaza design didn't really fit anymore. Yeah. And, and so you're right. I mean, every, all the retail except Macy's have moved yeah. out essentially for this redevelopment project. And, you know, I think that's, that's what we should do. You know, we should redevelop areas that are no longer successful in the environment yeah. that they're in. No, I agree. And I, he's just know, mad at his fish shop, his favorite place. That was to a eat good, down. great fish shop. Which one was that? I was up in the second floor. I forget the, it's by, like, the, the name. Area. God, it was it's good. To drag food. me down there all the time. I'm allergic to like, fish. So. It was like great fish. It's like <laughs> just, it's in the best fish in town. But wow. yeah. but hey, let me ask you too. I know we have uh, NFL fans out there uh, and the Chargers. You, you know, I I actually went to the uh, Chargers game recently, and my Green Bay Packers got creamed. Oh my God! But anytime he goes to a game, they always uh, my team loses. But are the Chargers? You know, any chance of ever getting them back? And if not. Any ch- have you heard anything out there about you know about us getting another NFL team or right. anything? I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest sports fan, but I, <laughs> I, I was sad when I, when the Chargers left. Yeah, and part of it is there there is a pride mm-hmm. of being a city yeah. that has light blue. I mean, that's our color. Well, yeah, yeah but but just that pride of having uh, a, a national team, yeah. and you know, I think people are very proud of the Padres. You know, hopefully, we're we're going to continue to to you know, rebuild and, and have a real winning season here at some point coming up soon. But when the Chargers left, I mean, there are people that grew up going to Chargers oh, games. Yeah. It was multi-generational. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And He'd drag me and I would not watch and complain about wanting to go home. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I would love to see. That's part of being a kid. Yeah. Uh, right. I would love to see an NFL team. I'd love to see an NBA team here. Oh, yeah. And, you know, what that what I want to see is I, I would love to see the Chargers come back. What I what I think it would need to take, though, is new ownership yeah. and somebody who says, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to to do this for the community. I'm willing to invest in yeah. this and and build a stadium that is not on the backs of taxpayers, yeah. frankly. And it would not be at the current you know, Qualcomm Stadium site. Speaking of stadiums, what about the uh, Qualcomm site and the SDSU potential deal for what are they I know, a, a, 
That could be a football US. stadium, or well, it'll or, be yeah. it'll be the the college football. But uh, they did. My understanding is the plan, and I'm not sure how this works yeah. from an engineering standpoint. But the plan allows the stadium to be larger to accommodate a Super Bowl if if need oh, be. Yeah. If, if we got an NFL team back, so. You know, that's something the voters voted on, SDSU West and the yeah. down Soccer City. So we're moving forward with that. I think the city did a did a good job in terms of negotiating the sale price for the land. No, uh, sure. I think my one concern is, as I understand it, SDSU doesn't have to actually develop it now. Oh, have, really? Like they have 20 years or something oh, like that. Uh, I don't, I don't that ugly stadium the next 20 years. That's like a flip job to me. Yeah, I don't, I don't, want, to see, yeah, I don't want to see that just sitting there. Yeah, that, that would be a... And I, and I think, you know, my, my assumption is there'll be a lot of support and a lot of encouragement to have that redeveloped sooner than later. No, for so, sure. But I think it's more just an economics issue for SDS. You need to make sure they have the money to do that redevelopment. So. Let me throw out a harder question. Sure. For, for, we know that you don't have a ton of time left. I know. No, no, now we'll get okay. to you. But, but, you know, pensions, pensions, pensions. And every city in America, I think, is going through this whole issue. And, and, and you know, it's, you know, that this is just something which has been inherited out there which is sort of this, you know, it's, it's almost like our deficit, which is being passed down and we're, and we're trying just, just to pass it down. But, you know, anything you think we can do on this issue moving forward or anything, maybe anything dealing with the labor unions on this issue? I mean, is, is there a compromise out there waiting or what do you think? Well, gosh, what a big question. What, yeah, sorry what, well, and, and I'm, I'm not going to skirt it intentionally, yeah. but part of it is, you know, the, the citizens initiative is in litigation and, yeah. and that is going to resolve itself one way or the other without my influence yeah. and input, yeah. frankly. So, you know, however that plays out ultimately is going to be what, what happens there. And, and we're just going to deal with whatever those consequences are. That is something I'll have to deal with as a city council member, whatever those consequences are. Uh, and I'll have to take a look at it then to try and make sure we do it in a way that keeps the faith with the city workers, but sure. also for, continues to protect the taxpayers. But then the other thing is, you know, compromise to be had, that sort of thing. You know, the reality is local government is supposed to be nonpartisan, but at a a city like ours, you know, partisan politics can come into play. And I am a Republican. And at best case scenario, there will be six Democrats and there'll be three Republicans. That's best case scenario that, you know, Chris Cade has two more years and that's if Noli Zosa wins to replace Scott Sherman. So that means Democrats would have a supermajority. So there may not be a need for compromise from the Democrats' standpoint if they have a certain view on pensions. But I'll say this, and I've said this to the most conservative constituents I have, and I've said this to labor unions when I've talked to them. I'm an employer. I understand that, you know, we have to make sure that we are attracting and retaining the best talent because most city government services are delivered by people. And if we're not attracting and retaining the best people, then people are not going to be happy with their city government. Um, How we do that and how we're competitive from a compensation benefits standpoint can be done a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean that you always have to have a defined benefit plan to make sure you're competitive. There may be other benefits to working for the city of San Diego. I've learned it's not always about paying someone the, the you know, top dollar to keep them and keep them happy. But but we have to make sure we are being competitive and making the city of San Diego a place people want to work. Yeah. So we can't do that in a way that bankrupts the city. And yeah. Unfortunately, that's the direction we were going before Prop B passed. So, again, it's it's something that, um, you know, we need to obviously look at how we handle that going forward. Yeah. 
like I said, let me just also mention yeah. here on, on this one. And um, so and I've spoken with a couple of people on the ethics commission and they say only great things about you. I, I think there is actually some type of Leventhal rule. Leventhal amendment, yes. What? Amendment right now. Explain yeah. this. Yeah. What is this? Yeah. Well, it, it, and again, this is, I, I, I'm, pr- I'm proud of this actually because it's, I only served on the ethics commission for just under a year because yeah. again, I was planning to run yeah. for office and then I resigned yeah. so I could start a 12 month cooling off period and then run for office. But in that time, one of the things that we, we as a group agreed on was something they now call the Leventhal Amendment. There's a rule about disclosures on signs by campaign, not campaign committees, uh, uh, candidate committees. So if uh-huh. you're supporting a candidate, independent expenditures, that sort of thing, you have to disclose your top donors. And at the state level, if those donors are over $50,000, you have to put the top three. And the city limit was lower, 10,000. So if you have a donor over 10,000, you have to put the top three donors that are over 10,000 okay. on your signs. The challenge was that if you're running a campaign, which I now fully appreciate, sometimes those change. And, and frankly, again, I'm, I can't collect that much money from any donor, but if you're, if you're doing it- <laughs> Not committee, yet, not yeah, yet. <laughs> but if you're doing an independent committee, sure. you can collect donations that are that high. And you know wherever your donors are today might change tomorrow. Yeah. And so- I was the one that actually suggested now it's called the Lemon Ball Amendment to, to put a URL website on the signs instead and disclose all the donors, oh, nice. 10, 000, not just the top three. And that way it was easier for what we call the regulated community, the candidates, mm-hmm. the, the committee uh, groups, that sort of thing. It increases disclosure because you're actually putting more information out there. And you're putting it all on a website where people can easily access. It's transparency, which yeah, I like. Yeah. yeah. So again, awesome. it's one of those situations where so what city government needs is transparency and innovative, easy way, you know, more right. you know, simpler ways to exactly. do something. Exactly. It doesn't have to be complicated. Exactly. And so that was something where it just, you know, again, I can't remember how I had the idea, but it was just a win-win. No, it's a great idea. Yeah. I feel like that's a non-partisan kind yeah, of yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. awesome. So oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, you left a mark and you're less than one year being that's there. Right. So that's, that's awesome. That's, but, right. that's what we need in city council. And, people think out of the box and get things done. That's right. No, and I mean, we I know we've limited time with you left, but I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, this is great. And where can people find you? If they want to learn more about you, please give us your pitch. I, I appreciate you asking, <laughs> asking that question. I would have forgotten. So my website is easy to remember. It's joe4sandiego.com. Nice. Joe4sandiego.com. And uh, I've got all my contact information there, my bio and everything else, all the endorsements I've got. And um, yeah, that's what Instagram, Facebook, anything like that for your campaign? Uh, it's all on there. Yeah. All on there. Perfect. All there. Yeah. Awesome. My, my last name is sometimes hard. You know, people misspell it. So I won't go through. No, no worries. Joe for San Diego is the best but possible Joe, yeah, one you could Joe, have done. Joe for San Diego. <laughs> my last name's Bear Holtz. You yeah. have no idea how yeah. much that's gotten yeah. messed no, up. I can, I can imagine. So, no, I appreciate it. And you, like I said, you guys have a great podcast. And uh, I listen to it when I'm running. And it's, I tell you, love that. It's very Say, entertaining. Um, pass it on to your friends and we'll pass on this information. But uh, guys, look, you know, what, what we're trying to do on this show is to sh- is to bring Democrats, Republicans. Democrats and Democrats. Democrats and Democrats <laughs> on the show. See, it's good to have your daughter on the show because she points out everything that's wrong with you. But that's okay. We, we, you know, but looks like a great candidate. He has a great radio voice, Joe. You give a great oh, radio great. voice. If you don't want to do law anymore, you have a great radio voice. Are you, are, you, are you saying I've got a great face for me? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, just didn't say that. No, but well, thank you so much. Thank and you both. Uh, when when's the? It's March third, right? March third is, is the, the primary, primary, and the top two go on to November. Awesome. Well, yeah. let's get you to November. Well, thank you. Appreciate All it. Right. Well, that was our guest, Joe Leventhal, our first official guest on the Now Hear Me Out podcast. We were so happy to have him. I mean. 
what was so great also, he, he's a good guy, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's experienced, he's a policy he's guy. He's smart, you can tell he's smart. But at the same time, one of the best things about Joe is he listens to our podcast and he <laughs> quotes us back from the things we've said. Guys, you got to listen to this podcast. Why? Because we will interview, in, you know, people from all different aspects of the political spectrum. Our goal is not to give you propaganda. Our goal is to is is to bring everybody on the show we can from all different angles. Because we're, we're getting Democrats. We have a lot of Republicans scheduled. And Democrats, the next let us know. If there are any to Democrats, stay, please let us know. Please let me know. He has connections, obviously, in the Republican Party. He's in the Republican Party some in California. Party, yeah. yeah, I I need Democrats. I need people to come talk with me and, and have that great confirmation bias. How can they get so a hold much. of us, Harriet? can send us an email now hear me out podcast at gmail.com or you can find us on instagram go to podbean just type in now hear me out podcast we are everywhere <laughs> omnipresence is uh what, what you want in this arena and please give us as many stars as you can on this one and also five. at the same time <laughs> please, ideally <laughs> yeah five is good also recommendations what, what do you want to hear about what do you want yeah, us to talk about i i, I mean you know we have the things we see every day. Look, and, and, and I've prepared political speeches since I was five years old. I, I, I mean, I got my political speech when I become president or, or governor I've of California. I've heard him giving it in the mirror I've got at 7 a.m. <laughs> I don't need to do an Obama and to read. I can't oh read cards. God. At least you didn't. See I can't stuff read like cards, Mario. but I can. You know, speeches. Oh. You, you you give me like a minute, I'll talk about anything. So, but anyway, but 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 guys, look. You know, you know, um, one of the things we do want to say here, as I said to Harriet this week, look, this has to be fun. It's called a party for a reason. (laughs) You took my line. He was so excited (laughs) to say that. I was so excited. She stole my line. Or as people, as we in Shemokka would say, she stole my line. What's the past tense of stole? Stoled. (laughs) <laughs> well, guys, we're just going to talk about a couple of just really quick things right now. Yeah. Uh, just some some current events. I am hungry. So let's yeah, I'm, just. I'm hungry, too. <laughs> but uh, Representative Duncan Hunter has has actually pled guilty to uh, to one campaign uh, fund uh, to one crime right now. Duncan, we know you're here. Uh, I still think you're a good guy. You, you probably got caught up in something here, uh, which no, was really no, no, not. No, the, the campaign uh, funds are directed towards hotels to meet mistresses. I'm Transporting not, a pet rabbit, which I totally can get behind. But a bunch of other things, too. Paying his kids private school tuition. Uh, you managed to do that without embezzling anything. You sent two kids to private school. But let's just be clear. I have not transported a rabbit and I have not done anything with 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 mistresses. So, no, God, no. So God, we're, we're just making that <laughs> He's honestly clear. making sure that yeah. my mom hears that and understands yeah, please, that. Yeah, please, please, you know, just. Oh, you know. my God. Uh, but anyway, well. I'm not going to comment on the specifics. I, I, I think it's 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 a sorry day for a a young man and his family. Oh my and, God, you know, it's his fault. I just I, you know look, I, you know, I'm not going to comment on that. If this was a Democrat, he came what would out, you be saying? He came How out, could you? He came out. He pled guilty, and it's on him. So, but but anyway. We've got uh, three more Republicans and one Democrat running for that seat. I, as of now, I'm not sure it's going to be a special election or or part of our uh, our normal primary. We'll just wait and see on that one. Also, President Trump is right now uh, at the NATO meetings uh, in Europe. That's going well. Uh, well, <laughs> you, you know, I think some of the NATO, you know, some of the some of the NATO leaders are are being a bit of a holes on this one. To be honest with you, and. I think the one, you know, President 
Macron. I'm, I'm not sure how, no. how to how to pronounce his name Macron. in French. Macron. I don't know French. You know French people. Why don't you say? Guess the what ends? though? Why don't you say the ends on your he name? He has a dog who goes to all of his meetings, and Trump doesn't have a dog. Get a dog. What are you doing, Donald Trump? What I do like that about him. But you know what? <laughs> France and Germany and the UK. You got to realize who the hell saved your butts for the last two world wars. Oh my and god! And if it wasn't for us, the Soviet, you know, the Soviets would would be in London by You're talking now, about in reparations? Paris and in Berlin. So, so look, you know, we know Donald Trump is, you know, he has his own views, but he's our president. If you diss Donald Trump, you diss us. Okay, mm. so, so that's my view at least, and yeah. President Donald Trump. But anyway, anything else we've we've got to talk about on this podcast? I mean, I think we can just briefly touch on the fact that their protests are starting to spread from Hong Kong to the mainland in China. I mean, that's, that's right. a big deal. I, that's obviously happening. People people want democracy. Um, I think the plan that China is attempting to do in terms of like kind of almost entrapment with opening factories along the Guangdong province and all that kind of stuff, and then having the companies people work for be government funded so they feel like they can't speak out against things. Otherwise, they're going to lose their job. That's disgusting obviously. And then also too, I mean, the imprisonment of the, the Uyghurs in, in China that's going on. I mean, obviously there was something that was just passed. Is that, and how, brought you, up. Is that how you pronounce that name? Yeah, it's Uyghur. Uyghur it makes it very uncomfortable. I remember hearing that word for the first time in middle school. And of course it sounds a lot like a word you're never supposed to say as a white person, but yeah. So, I mean, it's the, the Muslim Chinese that are being persecuted and, and wrongfully imprisoned. It's not what we have to realize here, guys, you know, as a lot of people may do right now, Hong Kong is the tip of the spear. If we do not support the people of Hong Kong now, then, you know, that form of government could spread worldwide, truthfully. Which is not obviously what we want. Which is not what we want. And, and look, you know, you know, Harriet and I couldn't have this conversation with you every week. If we lived in China, right? No. Now. Oh, my God. We'd be shut down. I mean, people can't get on Facebook in China. You have to have your, was it v, VPNs? I mean, I've done a lot of business with China. I've, I love China. I speak Chinese. I was in the dropshipping e-commerce industry, and I sourced a lot of product from China. I made great relationships with suppliers, um, primarily in the Shenzhen province. And those people are phenomenal. They're honest and kind. And I don't mean to say they as some broad generalization. Just the people that I've dealt with in China. China was nothing but welcoming to us. And wonderful. And the people of China, we support you. But this government, and especially the government under Chairman Xi, we do not support that government. Chairman Xi, you have an opportunity now. You've heard from the people of Hong Kong. And and you will soon be hearing from your own people. They don't want you to go backwards. Go forwards. They don't want you to go into a state where the state monitors every part of your activity. What they do is they want freedom. You, you know, you know, there was this issue about having an economy and having strict communism. I don't think they go together. And I don't think the people of China think they go together. The younger people don't want that. I mean, we were at many universities. It's kind of how we went over there. He was teaching at uh, Zhejiang Daxue, uh, Zhejiang Law School over there, a summer program. And he took me with him. And I studied at the Shanghai Conservatory of Music. I was with a lot of these younger people in China. They want democracy. They're afraid to say it because they're afraid of what you're going to do, you know, the PRC to their families or them, you know, just... They might go missing, you know, you never know. But this is what people want. People want, they, they like what the Western model is showing them. They 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 want that. We may not be perfect. The democracy is- Obviously not, our country's the, the, shit the, show right now. But. Well, that's, I think that's Harrod's opinion. Best economy in history, I think, or, or, or a long time. But, uh, but yeah. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Why is it everything good comes to former President Obama and everything's bad? Well, it's trickle-down economics, Dan. Oh, my God. Don't <laughs> even go works. there. Don't even go All there. Right. I think I see the uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the hour almost approaching yep. us. but uh, Even though there's no time limit for a podcast. <laughs> in my mind, there is. In his mind, it, like the hour mark, everything just stops working. It's just You're done. Just walk away. But I'll tell you what. We we do want to thank Joe Leventhal Oh, yeah. Again. It was awesome having him be here. Um, Listen to our podcast. I mean, that's amazing. What more could we want? And guys, we are going to have many, many other other guest speakers on this on this podcast. Please tell your friends about this. Harriet and I are having a great time. Yeah. We are having such a fun time doing this. It's informative all the way around. We're going to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and you're going to hear a lot of views on this show. Yeah, right? and, and I mean, mixed, like I think Mr. Leventhal or Joe Leventhal, I still feel like I call slightly, people older than me are still Mr. or Mrs. It's I like know, a respect I thing. I don't know I what it is. I used to do that all the time. And then people know. keep, even, you know, parents, uh, my friend's parents be like, call me Libby. I'm like, no, I can't do that. No, oh, you're no. Mrs. Garrett. Ugh. Um, <laughs> it's just very uncomfortable for me, especially in China, though. That's what I like about China. People still refer to each other. At, like if you're at a higher up in the hierarchy yeah. is Mr. and Mrs. But uh, no, I mean, he said it best. He likes our podcast because we talk about, you know, the issues that matter. We are. I'm a Democrat. My dad's a Republican. And I think that something we talked about at the beginning of this podcast is if people always say, don't talk about politics with family. The, the things to avoid talking about at dinner with your family are religion and politics. But religion's a whole other kettle of fish. But uh if you can't talk about politics with the people that you love for fear of offending them or because you don't have the tools like in your toolkit of discussing it in a non-angry, crazy way, like what is that? Which say? was episode two. Yeah, in, which will in, never in our make podcast, it air. Someone which, got a little crazy. Got a little, I mentioned the word DACA and the word immigration, maybe oh, white don't, privilege. Don't mention those. Um, oh, my God. Male privilege. And then what did I say? I'm feminism. not sure what male privilege is, but anyway, <laughs> you just made that oh, up. God. No, I didn't. But anyway, that, you know, I having these conversations and respecting each other's opinions, hearing each other out, hence the name of the podcast. If you notice somebody breathing in the background, that's actually uh, our our, our French bulldog, Toby. (laughs) Yeah, my dad thought it'd be nice to to lock him in our bedroom during this podcast, which I didn't know about. My my husband and I's bedroom uh, came out to, to get him out. He was very upset. He was also mad. And, uh, <laughs> but I, anyway, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode. Please go and follow us on Podbean. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review, share with your friends, and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And we are now hear me out podcast. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. This is Randy Berholtz. And this is Harriet Berholtz. All the best. Take Bye. care. Bye.